0: Hi everyone, welcome back to another Beef and Lamb New Zealand Seen and Heard podcast. Um, I'm Aaron Meekle, the host tonight once again. Um, you may have noticed we're doing podcasts a little bit less often now, um, in part because there's a, a heck of a lot of great agricultural podcasts out there in New Zealand and, and from around the world. So um, if this is one of the first podcasts or the only podcast you listen to, I'd encourage you to get out there and find some more of them. But Beef and Lamb New Zealand are going to keep doing them. We've found them a a great way and and certainly a highly valued um, channel or one of our channels to get information out to people. Um, So we'll keep doing them on the big issues as they arise, I guess. And to be honest, there's few issues bigger than the one we're probably going to cover tonight. And arguably, there's fewer issues smaller in a literal sense as well because we're talking about internal parasites, those um, tiny little critters with such a big impact. And I guess one of the things we're going to try and address tonight is that for decades, probably, we've largely felt we've had the solution to internal parasites with drenches, either singles or double mixes or triple mixes or some of the new actives. But what we're going to talk about tonight is what happens when those drenches start to fail um, as resistance arrives on farms and, and in the country. And as mentioned, one solution has been to put drenches together into combinations. But tonight we're going to be joined by three farmers who have or had or are dealing with triple dench combination. Um, we'll probably do a follow-up podcast with Dave Lethwick. He's been warning about this for a while, and um, now it's 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 come real. And But certainly the three farmers we've got tonight won't be the only ones in the country who, who've got it or have to deal with it. It's just that I suspect most of you listening don't even know the drench status on your property, the resistance status of the worms you have. So, Uh, We're going to talk about some of the tools you may be surprised. Hopefully you're motivated after tonight to go out and have a look. You may be surprised just what you find when some of your drenches aren't working properly. But on that happy note, let's introduce the farmers. Um, In no particular order, I'm going to run through them. They're each at slightly different uh, places, I guess, in in dealing with with triple drench resistance. They can talk about that. But usual thing in in farming circles, I guess, we'll do a quick introduction of um, who they are, where they're from what they do on their place. So Hamish Blundell, I'm going to start with you. Hamish, just, I guess, a bit of a pricey, whereabouts are you farming? Um, what's it like to farm there? People always want to know what different farm areas are like um, and maybe a bit of a snapshot of, of what you farm, how long you've been farming there.
1: Okay, so we farm in uh, Alfredon District, which is north of Larepa. Um It's hill country, sheep and beef breeding with an element of fish finishing, which is, is mainly our own stock. So yeah, climate's um, it's it, it's on the verge of very summer dry, uh, more summer dry now than we used to used to, and winter wet. Um, but we do have a reasonably good sort of season on the shoulders, sort of autumn and spring, not too bad. Um, yeah, we're, we're just breeding ewes and cows really, uh, finishing our own progeny.
0: Right, Thank you. Uh, Mike, you're next on my list, the same deal, I guess. Whereabouts are you? What's it like to, to farm there? What are you running on the place?
2: Yeah, hi there. We're out of uh, in the Mangamahu Valley. We farm um, 1,800 hectares here, hectares, um, a mix of um, some medium hill country and some river flats. um am breeding ewes and breeding cows. We're a Hereford stud. Uh, Easy-carb here for cows, so a reasonably high um, oh, 60-40 to cattle ratio. Um, from a climate perspective, always used to think Wanganui was uh, fairly summer dry, but um, I mean it's just a summer safe, but it's becoming more summer dry in the last few years. Um, but yeah, we're in a good microclimate here. We can grow grass um, through the winter. Um, yeah,
0: Thank you, Mike. And so that leaves you, Sam. Same deal. Whereabouts are you farming? Um, what's it like to farm there? What do you run on the place?
3: Yeah, um, I'm farming. Yeah, just uh, about 30 minutes east of Masterton um, in the Warapa. Um, Yeah, it's a sheep and beef farm. A good mix of steep, medium, and flat land. So um, yeah, just got a breeding breeding my own sheep and um, just yeah run cows. About an 80 to 20. Um, mix between sheep and cattle. Um, Yeah, climate here is pretty, um, most, we dry out pretty quick in the summer and then our winters are are pretty, um, yeah, can get quite wet, but are generally pretty mild. So that's, yeah, that's about us.
0: Brilliant. All right, we're going to come back to each year in turn and and drill into a wee bit more um, around your system and, and what caused the drench resistance issue you had, how you've had to change your system to deal with it. So as we do that, we'll get a bit more about what you're doing and going. But um, I'm actually going to pick on you, Hamish, now, because in my notes, it says you've been dealing with the the issue for the longest and have probably got it largely got it sorted or dealt with it more. Um, And we're going to talk about this as we come through. But just to set the scene, with the journey you've had, to use that word, with triple drench resistance, what are the things, you, the most important things you've learned, I guess the, the take-home lessons for other farmers, the things you might have wished you'd knew 10, 15, 20 years ago? And we're going to drill into those in more detail, so it doesn't have to be too detailed. But, um, yeah, what's the, the big things you do now that you didn't do before you knew you had triple drench resistance?
1: Oh, just, just to start with, we've probably been managing it for, since 2009. So um, in 2008, we were meant to do a, a, a drench Test a fecal reduction test on our on our sheep, but we had a pretty bad drought, and just one of those things we just crossed off the list to do. Um, so in 2009 we did it, and we were surprised with the result because we we were lambing good percentages, yeah, um, killing our lambs, um, everything looked not too bad, you know, at the face of it. But uh, yeah, the result was quite uh, quite astounding. But uh, the vet at the time, Rachel Hurry, who's still my vet. I was pretty fortunate timing. We um, we got on uh, this um, practice uh, management pro- program with parasite um, management through egg uh, research um, for three years. So that sort of set us up really, and um, the, the stuff I learned um, over those three years was was quite good. Um, yeah, I wish I'd known more about the drinks as I was using and and the worm species we were trying to target um, at different times of the year. Um, yeah, there's, there's plenty of uh, information out there, but it's the fact that uh, something makes you go and source it or uh, look into it for your own, for your own benefit is, um, yeah, part so, of it I suppose.
0: The, the key thing there, um, just you touched on, you know, you're still getting pretty good performance, but you had, I mean, what levels of of resistance or fu- drench failure did you have? Um,
1: Oh so um, I was just looking at the notes here, so we were down like the, the white drench was twenty seven percent effective against strikes, and and Ostotage was a real worry too That was it was a sort of um resistant to everything, but for some reason the combination um because there's two ota groups the um the triple the triple drench was still having an effect on it so we were, we were we were we were well down under the 50s with them as i was 39 i think um Ivermet was still working to some degree but but it was um not being used a lot in our mm-hmm. drenching program we're just yeah we were just with the, the double um white and clear drench combination at that stage yep. yeah
0: yeah so yeah you had some fairly significant impacts there, but I mean, you weren't looking at your stock, your stockmanship day to day, you weren't picking up um, problems?
1: Uh, well, I, I just started leasing the far, farm with the family, so I was only three years into it. Um, so it was a bit new. Um, I had been on the farm before that, uh, running it with my father, but uh, I suppose. What I know now, when I look at my stock, I, I, perhaps there was some some issues in the winter, late winter, with condition, um, but on sheep, on ewes um, going into sit stocking, that you, you may have. I'd look at it now and think if they're not responding to to better feeding, then there's something going on with carrying. You know, we're carrying more parasites through the through the winter than we should be. Um, but the sheep were quite solid, a, a sound sort of Romney. Base we were breeding our own sheep, so they were sort of reared in the environment. So perhaps it had mm-hmm. a, a, an impact on on things there. Whether they were, they were pre- perhaps if sheep had come in from outside of the farming environment, they may have struggled, you know, more. Um, yep. It was an observation, I think.
0: Yep. And so, like anthelmintic use, and we are going to get on to the next two. Sorry, this was just to, to set a bit of scene and pull out some of the the key threads that we're going to discuss a wee bit more. Uh, did you think you were making sort of strategic decisions with anthelmintic use, or had you always been just sort of on a a program of this is when they got a drench?
1: Oh, yeah, at the time we, we were drenching our lambs re- regularly. Um, we, we probably weren't using refugia um, sort of specifically, but you know, you always leave the odd one behind, so there was a bit of that going on. We weren't treating ewes with long acting stuff. Um, there was uh, sort of minimal pre lamb drenching but docking they generally got a, ended up drenching most of the ewes year, some years because it was pretty tight as a, a sort of a, a higher sort of stocking rate and you relied on a mm-hmm. bit of drench I suppose rather than feed. Um, yeah, so what else I can add there? Um,
0: yeah no look, we'll we'll come back to it and drill into it a wee bit more because we're sort of gonna set the scene with the other two and then talk about the yep. the changes and and how you dealt with how you got out of it so um mike um it, it's a it's a, a lot as long as a piece of string, but tell us your triple inch resistant story what um what what how did you find out you had it any idea on what had triggered it in your place
2: Main reason we found there's a problem. We thought we had a problem. We found it was very hard to kill lambs in that April April period. Um, once the moisture would come and the trikes were um, the main worm at issue, we just found that the number of lambs were killing and lamb performances um, it would crash in that month. And uh, we spent a fair bit of time in the dagging pen. Um, So it's a good motivation to um, see what's going on, Um, and it was a a 10-day post-drenching, we did a fecal ear count, 10 days post drench and found there's still a lot of worms um, in a mob. Um, So that's how we got, we found that, that was autumn 2018, and to be fair, it had probably been going on for a year at that stage, Obviously, it's been going on for much longer, but it really came to a head. Um, probably what I didn't understand there back then was the um, value of refugia or the importance of, of refugia. Um, we would have um, a large number of weaners that would wean onto our flats to grow through the winter before our bull sale in the spring. So we had probably half of our flats on a home block and bulls for six months over the autumn and winter. We would then come through and lamb our twinning hoggets on that country, and I would drench them off the hills onto that country and wouldn't leave any undrenched, thinking that we're going – and so we're going to very clean pasture and not bringing any um, profugia or good worms off the hills. So that's probably how we caused it, I think, um, if I'm having hmm, – not enough worms rather than uh, too many worms. Um, so that's probably something that we had overlooked. And we were mm-hmm. on a, we ran a pretty much a, a breeding block and a, and a finishing block without a lot of stock going in between the two blocks. So something we've learned a hell of a lot and is the power of profusia. Um mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and so. Um, I think you may, I'm not sure whether you touched on it, Mike, with your system, it was a home-growing issue. It wasn't you weren't bringing in lots of stock, and that was likely the source of it?
2: We have leased a few farms in the last 10 years, um, and um, we hadn't checked the drink status of those farms. So possibly we we would have um, made the problem worse with um, moving stock around between blocks and not knowing but i think um the key seeing where it was on our home on our home home finishing unit was probably mm-hmm. home growing yep okay. fortunately we've got a hill country breeding block which is uh which is separated from our home block that drench state, that the, the drench status up there is much better um mm-hmm. and always has been so that has been a good source of refugia for us
0: okay so that that's um, an interesting point. Yeah, the, the, the triple inch resistance was actually sort of um, geographically located when, within your farm. It wasn't something throughout the whole place. Yes, yes. So
2: most yep. stock came from our breeding blocks back to our home block mm-hmm. without, and um, yes, and and not as much stock went yep. back the other way. So we've um, we haven't taken it back to our, our breeding block um, yep. in the past, and now we're
0: very careful. So the, you mentioned, um, sort of thought you had an issue there with poor thrift or low live weight gain and getting rid of lambs in the autumn. Um, so you did the drench check. That's the, the just the faecal egg count 10 days after drenching, showed obviously an issue with, with uh, worm eggs in the, in the sample. Did you, and I can't remember, sorry, you may have mentioned it, but just to go over this, you went and did then a full faecal egg count reduction test?
2: Once, yes. Yeah, so, so, so once, we, once we got the um, an indication there's a problem, um, we went through and did a full, full test. And it was a bit late in the season, so we came back the following season and and did a full, air count reduction test on all our blocks, on, on our two main blocks. Mm-hmm.
0: Um,
2: yeah.
0: And what did that find?
2: Um. Trikes were a main problem um, on both blocks. Um, Ostertagia was a bit weak. Um, it, it, so all the individual families were reasonably weak by themselves. Um, as a combination, we were um, sitting about 92% as a combination, but some of our um, individuals were, were very weak. Yep. And we hadn't so used... What's
0: the sort so, of... Mm. Yep. No, so carry, carry on. We
2: haven't used capsules much. Um, we found that um, extended capsules back in the 1990s uh, weren't working for us, so we actually moved away from, from using drench capsules. So, um, yeah, but we did use long-act... Um, Genesis Ultra a fair bit, and that probably exposed the abamectin um, mm-hmm. and... Ebermectin is quite weak, or was quite weak, particularly at that stage, and still is. Yep.
0: So when you say um, yeah, the results were sort of weak, what what percentage efficacy were you getting there? You know, ideally we're 100%. Um, there'll be zero worm eggs after you drench. But what what was the sort of the rates you were getting? On um,
2: triple combination, we were 92%. With trikes, um, on um, and on the individuals, we were 60 to 70 percent on most of the individual drenches against strikes. Um, Ostertagia was particularly weak with ivermectin, um, ivermectin and, and white drench. Ostertagia was quite weak. Um, yeah.
0: So, it's, I mean, that's a key thing, isn't it? It's a, it's a fairly complex, it's all the different drench families against all the different worm families and getting that that matrix of, of how they each perform. But what's, um, we haven't got them here, but um, you guys will probably know, what's the what's considered the threshold when you, you say you have got resistance? Is it anything below 100 or is it um below 90? Well, what's I mean, the early, sort of the guideline? Early guiding... 90s. Early 90s. Be, be worried, yep. yeah, under 95 probably.
1: Yep. If you're starting to yep. look at things, yeah. Yeah.
0: So, Mike, you, you were actually –
2: sorry, carry on. On our first drench test, it didn't look too bad. because It actually came back 98% um, production, so it didn't look too bad. But it was only when we looked and saw that in the culture, the post-drench culture was was 100% trikes. So when mm-hmm. we broke it down to each worm family, we found actually that um, that – ninety eight percent became ninety two percent in terms of mm-hmm. trikes. so it was important that we broke it down into each individual worm family and to see how they respond Each worm family responded to each drench
0: yep so even so if that's sort of early nineties ninety five percent thereabouts is the the threshold. I think you said you were getting some well below that, but the clinical signs you were seeing was slow grown lambs you weren't seeing lambs. Tipping over, dying of internal parasites or anything like that. It was just a in sort of indistinct or a, a general depression in their performance.
2: That's right. Yeah. So we are monthly drenching, probably still through the, through the autumn period. And um, yeah, and we just well, the main thing was lambs were expected to uh, to be prime and that they would kill. We just found that they just hadn't they hadn't bloomed.
0: Mm-hmm. No, it's just, a I think, a point um, we wanted to cover on this is that we're, we're talking about resistance and the failure rates. It's not that people start seeing animals die of parasite burdens or anything like that or, or scouring, et cetera. It's, just, um, it's uh, just not performing quite as they should be. Yet that, I don't know whether you ever worked it out, Mike, that um, that's a fairly significant amount of money that that drop in live weight gain would be costing.
2: It was. It's huge. In those lambs that should have been killed in, in April they were there on, on farm in June still. So that was impacting on our yew performance. Um, yeah, and just made... Yeah. <clears throat> yep.
0: Yep. All right. Well, Sam, you've been sitting there very quietly, but I hope you're still on the line because now it's your turn. Um, same sort of thing, I guess, Sam. Um, the word was you're, you're just sort of earlier in the journey than these other two gentlemen. So um, what's been your experience? What's been your sort of triple-drench resistance Story, I guess, how you what you noted, how you found it, how you identified it, and what you've done so far.
3: Yeah, cool. Um, yeah, so I've been um home here since 2008 or around there. So we've we've just, yeah, in 2018, it was probably about our third drench reduction test. So it was sort of just we were just you know ticking the boxes, thought we were um, you know, we'll just do another one, didn't really see any issues, didn't think there would be any issues. I'd hardly used triple drenches on this farm, so I was like, oh, yeah. I heard that maybe there's a few issues, and I was just yeah, thought oh no, will be sweet, and yeah, and um yeah, we did a drench reduction test and found we yeah had had some quite um some issues with triples, and I suppose what a, we, we um not big users of capsules, but um obviously I'm quite into my condition scoring of sheep, so anything that was um of lighter condition under a three, we would generally give them a capsule um, pre. Pre, uh, pre-lamb and that just to uh, maybe, you know, get that little bit more out of her or, or help her out. And, um, yeah, it was my vet that told me to just um, do a, like, worm test on the animals, like, at day, like, the capsules, I think. I don't know. Well, the uh, capsule lasts 100 days or whatever. They said at that day, 60 mm-hmm. to 80, to um, just do a worm test on them and see if they've got any um, worms. And so we, we did that with the youth, and that was sort of the first indication they came back with worms. That sort of gave me the thing to be like, oh, um, yeah, we, sh- yeah, it'll be interesting to see what this um, trench reduction test. But even then, it was that was a few years back, so we didn't really think much of it. And then, yeah, found out that we had triple resistance, and I was like, oh, yeah, we'll just um, obviously get some advice on this. But I soon realised that there wasn't much advice for um, triple triple resistance. And even I was pretty open about it from the start, and. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, a few people said to me, man, you don't want to be telling people about this, but um, then I, yeah, obviously got, um, got you know, people realised they had the problem and people came to help and, um, yeah, it, um, yeah, just didn't see it coming, couldn't really see it in production like you were saying earlier, there wasn't any um, deaths or anything like that, even poor growth rates, I, most of my lambs are gone before the autumn, so I, um, yeah, they generally grew pretty well. Um, Just listening to what Mike was saying, yeah, probably running all the sheep down onto the flats that had been like drenching them and putting them down on the flats, yeah, I just, that refugia, I didn't really understand that, and um, yeah, just what I've learned in the last three years has really helped, and it shows in my latest drench reduction test, which only got back to me, um, yeah, a couple of weeks back.
0: Yeah, and so um, you actually, I think you sent a copy of them through to me. So 2018's is the, the fecal egg count reduction test you just talked about, where only yeah. three years later you've actually had some significant improvement already?
3: Yeah, for sure. Like, um, I, do you understand did you, you had a look at that?
0: Um, as best I could, yep.
3: Yeah, I mean, the, no, that's what um, I suppose the biggest thing with this that I'm finding is, is there's so much detail and so much information that it had put you to sleep. <laughs> so um, it's quite, yeah, I I don't know the numbers around things, but I know my stock, and I yeah have have learned a lot in the last three years. So to, to reverse that triple, you know, it's a pretty cool thing. But I definitely don't want to go back to the way that I used to do things because it will just come back, I, I presume. Well, I
0: so you're seeing that. you're seeing a lift in stock performance.
3: Um, it's not it. Finding out three years ago and the advice I was given, I would go like, I would take that advice and then I would go even more extreme. So I, I think I would have lost a bit of production in the last three years, but I think I've gained it now that I've got my status back. Yep. Um, so yep. that, to get advice and to go against advice of what these uh, people are telling me because it's so new this, But obviously talking to the other two guys here, they've been through it a bit, but yeah, um, I went extreme. Yeah, to just not drench. And I really took advantage of getting rid of stock. If if I could sell lambs and had it on a good budget, I was just um, doing it before they got exposed to too many drenches. Mm-hmm. I was always 100% on the Zolvix, so it was always an option when I sold lambs that I could tell the people, give them a Zolvix, which is best practice pretty much now. So that was all good. I don't think I was doing anything wrong. Yep.
0: <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah, no, you went, went passing it on to somebody else. Oh, no, no, I because, think that,
3: um, a lot's happened in the last three or four
0: years. Yeah, yeah. No, no, look, that, that um, those sorts of exit drenches and quarantine drenches, that's um, all part of the story that I think we'll get to maybe in the next podcast with David in a bit more detail. One thing I just want to pick up on there, though, you said, you know, that 2018, you found um, the drench resistance in your faecal egg count reduction test, but that was, I think you said, your third faecal egg count reduction test. So did it actually... Um, had been no signs that actually crept up on you quite suddenly or just appeared in that, that test when it hadn't been in the previous ones.
3: Yeah. I mean, I, I think back in the uh, like 2008, seven, we might've had some issues with double combinations and we, so then three or four years ago, we three or four years later, we actually got our doubles back and all of that. But the triple, that was way out of the blue because I, I hardly used, I hardly buy any stock in and I'd hardly use triple drenches. But, and i'm not saying like capsules i'm not saying they're good they're bad they've got their place i just um seeing some worms in those capsules in that day 60 to 80 might have been where it came from but i again i there's nothing i more look towards what i can do to fix it rather than looking at things to blame of why i had it
0: yep awesome well and that's that's a good uh ideally timed phrase because that's the segue into the the next sort of part of the the podcast we want to cover is, um, the first thing is is measuring and monitoring and getting that information about where you are, but uh, the whole point of that is to be able to manage and, and do things. So um, uh, I think, uh, Mike, I've picked you for this one. What did, You got that information. I mean, you've talked a wee bit about things like refugee and that, but what were the big changes you made, the advice you got, and the, the things you had to do on farm to, to try and resolve the issue?
2: main thing we did was looked at every opportunity that we could bring profusia or good worms off our breeding block back onto our, our home finishing block. Um, so that was often, um, yes, and for a start we thought it, it, it seemed quite hard to do without impacting on our, our finishing block, but then we actually realised the small numbers of, of ewes regularly, so often dry hoggets would bring dry hoggets back. The lighter hoggets from a, a dry hoggets come off the breeding block back to there, and would integrate them with lambing hoggets or, um, or, or or finishing lambs. Um, in terms of drench use, we um, suppose change the mindset so rather than carrying lambs extra lambs through maybe through the autumn period because the market would be stronger um, in the winter. We made sure. Every lamb on the place was growing. So we weren't just maintaining lambs. If a lamb was on the farm, it had to be growing and had to be on good feed covers and ideally not picking up as much uh, as much larvae. We've probably um, sped up our uh, grass, re- grass renovation and we've always had a reasonable number of feed crops. We've probably increased the area or just made sure we didn't have um, areas of brown top pasture that lambs weren't going to grow on and they would have a large number of larvae. Um, and I suppose, yeah, we just integrated more breeding stock onto our uh-huh. finishing unit and yep. utilised a kettle um, on uh, we utilise our cattle on our finishing area more. So often um, we'd have 600 weaners would wean onto our flats in the autumn. We'd always wean them onto our wet ground that would be in lambs over winter. So that, that ground would have a break from sheep for three months to the autumn before those weaners went to, went to their free-draining, wintering blocks. So it's, it's more just thinking what opportunities there were to Reduce the worm burden that was building up on pastures. Mm-hmm.
0: Yep. So sort of two different things, in there, I guess, that the cattle are reducing the burden of, of the sheep parasites, but you're also you're using that term refugia, which is basically what you're just mixing in or giving a, a population of the worms a chance to avoid drench and then crossbreed mix with the, the ones that were had been exposed to drench. Is that the, how you understand the term?
2: Yes, yeah. That was the aim just to dilute those yep. um resistant rooms.
0: And bring it in. Cool. Um did you find so, so those sorts of changes for your system, changing from what you'd done to what you needed to do to deal with that triple drench resistance issue? Was it um how big a, an impact was it, like in terms of cost and time and difficulty and hassle? Was it was it a major issue? Was it something that fitted relatively well once you understood what you had to do?
2: Yeah, it was quite surprising because we didn't use Matrix for two years. So we, um, for what drenching we did feel we needed to do, we used Zolvic or or StarTech, um, and. Um, those drenches are a lot more expensive than um, the drenches we had been using, but our animal health bill didn't actually increase. So that was just the amount of drenching that we were able to cut out of our program, offset the uh, more expensive drenches. Um, uh-huh. And we used uh f- 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 ear counting a lot. So before I drenched a mob, I'd always fricul count. Um A sample, and yeah, it was quite surprising how often we didn't need to drench when in the past we would have drenched. Um, I suppose there's a few traps that we fell into uh, thinking that they were clean, so I made a policy that if we had a fecal egg count that came back lower than I expected it might have been, we would go back in 10 days' time and and recheck that mob. just to make sure that that fecal ear count was right or, or there wasn't a whole lot of larvae that was just about to, um, or worms that were about to shed eggs. So, um, fecal ear counting has is, yeah, is been a good good tool and I, I suppose a lot. It gave us confidence that when we, we reduced our drenching that we actually were confident that the sheep weren't going to suffer.
1: Uh-huh.
2: We had our own kit that we were doing some fecal ear counts ourselves my wife was doing them. Kath was doing them, but um, yes, I soon learned that uh, I'd lose brownie points pretty quick if I turned <laughs> up with a couple of uh, drenched cysts to do. <laughs> so much easier just to, uh, just to send them off to the local vets, and they had a good, per- they a great person who does them
0: um and you talked earlier about it and a couple of the guys have talked about it as well did you use fecal egg counting to to carry on doing the drench checks you know sort of 10 days after drenching make sure it worked as a quick check
2: often we do that not all the time but we'll do mm-hmm. a um a, a post-drench check a number of times through the season
0: and the big one the fecal egg count reduction test done them again how often are you doing them again just to make sure it's all working
2: So we came back through um, last autumn, so after two years, and we pre-tested and, um, yeah, quite um, pleasantly surprised um, after not using Matrix for two years, um, whether that was one factor as well as what we did, a change of management, that Matrix were back up to 100%, which, yeah, was a nice... um, Yeah,
0: nice to have. Yeah, surprise. Was Was that a surprise based on sort of what the advice people had given you? Was it that it would be that quick to recover?
2: Yeah, well, I'm not sure whether um, our individual families are still reasonably weak. Um, Whether trikes were a main worm problem, possibly there's different species of trikes in different seasons. So... The problem hasn't gone away but it's nice to know that uh, in that season and hopefully season going forward the matrix is a tool that we've
0: got that we can use Mm -hmm. cool okay um they're still waiting patiently so sam same sort of question for you i guess um you talked about where you'd come from when you found and then when you found you you had a bit of an issue you have touched on a wee bit of what the changes were but um What's changed or what's changing at the moment, I guess, because you're a wee bit earlier in this this process? Um, Mike's talked a bit of about it, but what did you do differently to try and deal with the issue, reduce it, stop it getting worse?
3: Um, yeah, a lot of what Mike's saying um, is exactly what I've sort of done. It's really just mixing up stock all over the show and um, getting your head around that. Like, um, Yeah. Um, yeah, I I just for everything that I used to do that I thought could have been a problem, I thought of what I could um you know if, say for instance um if I stopped using capsules, what the downside of that could have been maybe um they were a bit you know say my in lamb hoggets not capturing them they um yeah they instead of going onto grass after weaning, I made sure I had a crop for them to go go onto so um I was yeah I got yeah just better better quality feed for um for the animals really. Um yeah, heaps more like tail end ewes, I'd always I used to always drench the tail end ewes and then put them down on the flats and I just I yeah, stopped drenching them and just thought, right, if I scan less I'm gonna have a crack at not drenching them and I just found mm-hmm. that I didn't yeah, the better feed was actually what picked their condition up rather than a drench that was not um fully effective or or even a drench that is fully effective, maybe the feed will actually pick them up rather than the drench. Um, Yeah, just just really Mm -hmm. proactive around um, getting rid of my stock, the lambs as early as I possibly could. Just, um, yeah, if there was an option to sell them, just get rid of them. Where I used to, yeah, hold on and be like, oh, you know, I can make a bit more money out of them and I just kept drenching them really. So, um, yeah, and maybe I did actually make a bit more money out of them but in the long run it it wasn't worth it with my uh, drench status so um yeah and i'm here just um yeah me and my wife and um i had a i had a shepherd that just started at the same time as we found out we had triple drench uh, Mm -hmm. problems and he was just right on board with anything we did it was um it was uh really good we we joined a um action group through rmpp on this uh it was it was drench management that's what it was so we had eight or nine farmers with all different statuses and different theories on things. And um, that really helped because we got experts in to really um, help us out, really, which um, was really good. Very confusing, but I, yeah, I just tried (laughs) to simplify it as much as I could really.
0: Yep. You touched on something there that I know Dave Lethwick talks a wee bit about, about internal parasites as a problem on one hand and body condition score on the other. Um, did you ever have a look? I mean, were those used with lighter body condition score? But was it due to internal parasites, or was it due just to, you know, um, a shortage of, of vitamin G? A bit of um, the better feeding was that was what was bringing them right, not the actual um, drench that they may have had.
3: Yeah, I suppose um, I like maybe years ago I would um, get the tail end off condition score, get the tail end off, and then do a um, worm test on them to see what it was and. Sometimes even if it wasn't that high, I'd just give them a drench anyway because Mm -hmm. I was like, that's what you do. And um, and in the end, I just, yeah, i probably rushed things a little bit, but I knew I had good quality feed, and I never really checked that they had worms or whatever. whatever, But even in what they, like, just because they're skinny doesn't mean they've got worms, and I just went with that theory, and they seem to pick up pretty well. Obviously, there's a Mm -hmm. cost to the feed, but there's a cost to drenching them if it doesn't work well.
0: Yep. Awesome, right? And I think last on my list is on this one's Hamish. Um, so the two, other two have probably stolen a fair bit of your thunder, I presume. Talked a fair bit about it, but you've had had longer at this. Oh, what yeah. um, What did you do to, to get it back and, and to recover it from, once you found you had a problem?
1: Yeah, well, like like both of them was uh, the recovery was quite quite uh, it was quite amazing up into the like nineties for, for from under fifty percent and um, and the, even the white trench was picked up in the, into the eighties, mid eighties, I think. But we were in a position where we couldn't really put a finger on. Like we had Dave Leithwick and Tony Rose from PG Wrightson advising us, along with our vet, and um, couldn't really put a finger on where, but we had multiple resistance across worms, which was why why we were asked to go into this this um, farm um, practice, um, this practice management project, um, mm-hmm. so yeah, there was a lot there that they were interested in finding out because we had resistant worms across um, a lot of families, um, which was beneficial for us And um, the fact that they DNA tested them and all that sort of thing, but on the management side of things, um, the, there was little tweaks here and there um, around, around that refugia, I suppose, like they both talked about. But, um, For example, we've only got a small area of finishing country, say thirty hectares, but but it is lambs uh, do go on there. But we would run sort of three five percent refugia just with work shoes, and they just stay there, stay with the you know undrenched um, with with the lambs as they cycle Mm -hmm. through those areas. Um, Integrating ewes sometimes with lambs, um, you know, work shoes, uh, lambs that put. Uh, onto those areas before we used it in the summer, and, and also cattle, uh, like Mike had, had said, um, to give it a spell. Like uh, it, it sort of varies from, from season to season. The previous this, this winter just gone, we sort of wintered cattle on it because it was a dry season, just weaned bulls, um, and, and then moved into that, that summer system of lambs and, and just work shoes for refugia on those areas. Um, we've found, I think... Now going, like going into a set stocking, I mean, we, we never really whole drenched our flock anyway, but we, do, we don't really drench ewes, um, we don't need to, um, just just for a handful of light ones. you always have light ewes from the pressure of mob stocking, but um, generally we would drench light ewes going into set stocking, um, which is not many now, and at docking we leave the drench gun at home generally. Um, there has been the odd season, it's been really tough, so we've Said, right, we'll take the drench down and drench light ewes and you might you might end up drenching twenty percent of ewes at docking, but it's it's certainly not a practice. Um, and just the system is it's reasonably highly stocked through the summer, so there's always lambs in front of ewes and ewes behind lambs. I mean, we might be at a, I think a third of the farm might not have had a ewe on it since um, weaning now. So we'll, by the by by April, um, there'll be ewes through all that country in running that. Um, three to five percent. We we tend to run a higher refusia amongst our U lambs because they're gonna be overwintered. So we keep all our U lambs. So we, we run around about a three to five percent um refusier. So we just just um single U lambs which we identify at docking we use them. And, and any that are showing signs of not handling it, they end up just getting a drench. So yeah, it sort of cycles through like that. But just just little things like that I suppose we yep. were directed to do. Um we do the clean out drench like most farmers have probably um been told um in March now. We just use a Zolvix Plus um every year, do every lamb that's gonna be staying past that date, unless it's gonna be killed in the near future. Um, yeah, we don't we we never had, had um a trading and trading lamb um system, I think once since we've been been here with lands in the autumn, but I just stay away from that. Really, um, you just don't know what's out there, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, and because of our situation, I know there's 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 so-called effective trenches in your tech and solvex now. But I think I think there, there's always there there has been um, resistance found to that already somewhere in New Zealand. I've been told, but um, you would just sort of keep it in house now, even with our cattle. Uh, system. It, it may not be the most pro- profitable farming system. I mean, a trading component inside a breeding unit is is quite profitable, but it's pro- from my point of view, it's a more sustainable mm-hmm. uh, system. Just just um, farming our own stock and trying to trying to make as much value out of our progeny as we can.
0: Yeah. Yep. And the. Um yeah but all of you sort of talked on the the lift and animal performance, which presumably is going to help the the bottom line as well um just want to drill into one yep. we one or two wee things there um We'll put a link in, there's been a few terms chucked around like refugia, um, clean out drenches, quarantine drenches, drench checks, these sort of things. There's um, some good uh, material around from the Wormwise Group, which Beef and Lamb New Zealand are a part of, that explains a lot of these terms and and in more technical detail if you're you're that way inclined. The the refugia one, I think a couple of you have mentioned though that um, I think traditionally people have thought of that of leaving, and and I think you, you still do this in some cases, leaving a proportion of the mob undrenched. And so they're the refugia, the source of undrenched worms to, for the population to dilute the, the resistant worms that survive the drench. But the other way of doing it, I think you said you've used it quite a bit, is actually just to use a different class or age of stock. Is that that right? Do you, do you find that works better or we advise that that works better or is it just a, a simpler way to do it?
1: Uh, In the past, uh, when we first started trying to manage refugia amongst our ewe lambs, we were putting lighter uh, um, hoggets or 2 ewes, as they were Mm -hmm. in November, December, amongst them, but it became, so you had 30 or 40 of them out there, and they they ended up sort of dismissing out on management. Um, Mm -hmm. They they became their own little mob that had to be separated out every time you got them in, like if they needed a... To be shorn, I mean it's not a lot to shear thirty or forty sheep. it's another job. um You got the separate wool. Um, the wool might have already left the shed. Uh, vaccines, they sort of you'd have to get them all your two thousand new lambs in to give them a campy or a poxo. Um, so in, in that regard, it was easier to leave refugia amongst the breeding lambs um, than, than running other stock with them. But in saying that. The the ewes that never get drenched are right behind them anyway. So they're Mm -hmm. three, they'd be two to three, four weeks behind them in the summer um, going on around the rotation on on the hills. So we're not in a position where we have a finishing block and a breeding block. It's sort of all done on the hills with a handful of flats that they provide us with a bit of of cropping opportunity. But it's only 30 hectares, it's not, it's 60% of the farm. So it's not not a separate um, sort of,
0: finishing
1: block really yep.
0: as, as such. Yeah. So what was uh, the reason to do it originally with some of the older or different classes of stock in there rather than just here? Uh, yeah.
1: it, it, it was just a suggestion at the time with the with project um, and perhaps because our worm burden was higher it was harder on the, harder leaving lambs undrenched, harder on the on the stock because of the worm burden that, that was there. Mm-hmm. Um, because we're, we're controlling our parasites a lot better, the worms are probably not in as high population on the ground. Um, and lambs are, are probably... the Their pears are probably better producers of worms versus ewes. The, um, like, the ewes are, are probably not passing as many worms or packing up yeah. as many. Um, yeah, that was yeah. sort of what we, what we came up with in the end. Um, but certainly on a... Um, yeah, if you've got a like Sam and Mike said, you've got finishing blocks, and in they uh, integrating those uh, undrenched ewes on, onto them um, uh, would be uh, as good a idea as any, really, um, because you, you're finishing stock on those areas, You don't want to be checking them, so why not use your, you know, you ewes off the hills to bring those those susceptible worms down to breed with the resistant ones? Yeah.
0: Yeah, you're getting a few more questions it's here sort of, because it's you. Uh, sorry, carry on. It's sort
1: of not what what uh, it's sort of not one. One size fits all. Mm-hmm. Little, you know, every, everyone's got a different system, and and they, it's not one thing that will work across the board or is suitable for everyone. But yeah, as you can tell, yeah, everyone's got their different systems that seem to be working.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and because you're last, you're getting a few more questions because we've had numerous different sort of ideas chucked around by the earlier ones. But one of the other things I just I did want to ask you, I but you've them, also yeah. I think been involved in this a wee bit longer. The um. Drench timing, you touched on a wee bit about um, not doing a docking drench so much anymore. Was that one of the key tools to avoid using anthelmintics drenches at certain times of the year, not just on certain animals?
1: Yeah, well I think uh, there's other information around dock, drenching, drenching at docking anyway, that it's not really, uh, that we were drenching because of the condition really of the sheep and I think the reason for that is the worm burden you're carrying through. That you know it's coming through from the autumn. It's not actually um, to do with the spring. So um, yeah, that, that was one of the the areas that were targeted to to minimise drenching. You know, to, to exposing worms to drench. I suppose when the animals most susceptible. You know, when it's milking and got a lamb on it, and um, we still drench lambs on mum um, before weaning. But we'll, leave, we'll still leave refugia and the lambs and the good lambs as well as the ewes and the paddock. Um, so, it's yeah. Mm-hmm. We'll, cool. Yeah, we'll modify it as we go, but it's,
0: yeah. Yep. Awesome. Right, hey, look, just looking at time, well, this, this has um, been great stuff. It's, the time seems to have flown, but there are. I just want a couple of questions I want to wrap up. We are going to yep. ideally have a second podcast on this with um, to get into some of the heavyweight science stuff. And we'll link to where people can get hold of some of this um, material in, in the written form and the, the Wormwise box and some of the fact sheets that go with that. But um, you're not alone in this sort of stuff, I think, is the key. Firstly, um, we want more farmers to at least have a look and see if they have got an issue. But if they've got an issue, then they're going to probably need some help. So just talk about source of advice. You've touched on it a wee bit. Um, Sam, I think you're first up on this one. Um, who was it Helped. What was the sort of, you know, where'd you get good advice from um, and good sort of uh, support, I guess, as you work through it? Because it is a fairly dramatic change you had to make.
3: Um, Yeah, I'll just touch on one of what Hamish said before about one um, size doesn't fit all that. That was the first, like, to actually own this myself and get advice off the experts was what helped me because um, people asking me about drenching now and drench statuses and that, I can't give them any advice because I don't know what they're doing on their farm. Mm-hmm. So that's um that's what I'll say. So what, where do, you're asking, where did I um where did I start, or where did I get help from?
0: Yep. There yeah. Who were uh, sort of the the good source of advice that um ha- helped you actually yeah deal with what you yeah, found? Yeah. So
3: it was around the, like in 2018 was around when uh, RMPP Action the Action Groups, not Action Network Groups, is that? Yeah.
0: Ah, uh, you put me on the spot there. Yeah, Action Networks. I think is the proper name. Yeah. Yep.
3: So anyway, um and um. My vet at the time too was being trained as a facilitator to be able to do that so I could be the lead farmer and then we got a group of people together and it was yeah, just a great way. We had the money there to get some experts in and um really just um open up this in a really um good environment and that's that's where this one size fits all really stuck with me and um it was me and my worker with all this advice sort of every day saying, What are we what are we gonna do here? and um yeah, even just what Hamish and Mike are saying, the difference in what you can do on your own farm to get this, yeah, it's um there's so much information there that you yeah, you you could get lost very easy and just throw your hands in the air and be like. But yeah, so for me to have triple resistance I had to do something and um yeah, it was um that action group that helped out and then knowing that I could do it myself, I didn't actually need Advice or I could ask my vet or ask people, but in the end, yeah, it was pretty cool really um and even if my result wasn't as good as what my latest one was, I still think I'm on the right I'm heading in the right direction because mm-hmm. yeah there's there's um yeah, I was very wary about using Zolvix that's was what like they said I, I haven't been using it in the autumn, but I haven't been taking too much uh, young stock through, so I thought that maybe. I could get away without using it because I don't. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I'm scared of drenching almost now because yeah, is there any more drenches out there? Mm-hmm. Probably drench. And in uh, that, off of it, you
0: know. In, in your group, in your action network, uh, you know, you said that was supportive, or good advice. I mean, was it other farmers that had been through the same thing were helpful there, or the, the bringing in the technical people as well, or the combination of now the have, lot?
3: It was getting the technical people in, and actually, uh, say if you're at a, uh, at, not a discussion group, but a, um, say a field day where there's one person up there talking, and there's 50, 60, 70 people listening, we we could really stop with eight or nine of you in the room with an expert talking. You could really stop and say, mate, I don't even understand what you're saying. And he's like, oh, mm-hmm. really? You don't understand? And I'm like, mate, don't have a clue. And everyone would be like, don't have a clue. Um, and so he could really explain it so we could understand, and this yeah i don't know what mike and hamish reckon but there is so much to get your head around let alone just running your farm <laughs> so um yeah it's, it's
1: <laughs> no absolutely sir yep yeah.
3: and it's hard to talk to a lot of people about it because yeah you you just take little bits of it but um mm-hmm. yeah i had a problem and I, I had to change my way
0: yep so that yeah that, that small group learning stuff where you can get into and get more yeah more discussion going I guess rather than just a big field day where somebody's speaking at you for an hour or so. Again,
3: yeah,
0: you. You know, there's heaps of people interested in this topic and lots of all sorts of advice. Did you did that that small group help you sort the wheat from the chaff I guess with or, or you know trying to sort of phrase this carefully? But how did you know you were, that, that they might speak well with you, but that it was good advice? Um, well, I, I
3: suppose I mean that's like uh, got to take advice and try and put it into your operation in a positive way, I suppose. And, um, yeah, I mean, there's things that I've done wrong, what wrong, that I could have done better in that, and I'm just forever learning, but, um, yeah, I suppose, yeah, we really question some of these experts, what they were saying and all of that, and Mm -hmm. they, um, yeah, or even, this one-size-fits-all, it's like, yeah, there's so, I wouldn't say it's unknown, a lot of this stuff, but. Yeah, there's a lot going on where you can't see these little worms everywhere. And what I created this problem so I knew what I'd done so I could take the advice and then apply it on my phone, which is really good. I'm, I'm here every day doing it.
0: Cool. Uh, who's next? Hamish. Anything to add on that in terms of, yeah, sources of advice, who helped, who was um, you know, good support uh, or good guidance on the way through? I suppose if you've got a, you start with your vet, I
1: suppose, and, and hopefully their contacts lead higher, or, or they do—they work on your behalf if you've got a, a major issue to to sort stuff out for you. Um, we've got a good network now, even been involved with that, uh, and with Dave Leithwick and, and all those top parasite management guys. So that, like he's already just reviewed my latest drench test, which was, um, yeah, it's still looking pretty solid. I mean, um, we're aiming to do it every three years and we did four in a row when we first did it um, and then we've done three since so um, it's, it's yeah it's just that you've got to you've just got to start with knowing really and then and then go from there and find find people that that are willing to help or that know their stuff and, and like if you can get hold of um, Dave Leithwick and he's he's always interested in in new um you know, resistant um, worms or, or situations because it, it probably challenges them. Um, you know, uh, every farm is different. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Did Being you find fortunate it fortunate enough with a good vet? Yeah.
0: Did you find it hard though going to talk because you know saying you've got triple drench resistant, it's a um, not a great thing.
1: Oh, very much. So on I was, I'd only just started farming uh, on my own accord, and I thought, holy, holy hell. You know, it, it was almost yeah. like having, a, um, you know, a, 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 a disease no one wanted. And, and it, it, at the time I was losing sleep over it and, and yep. I really did have to um, to look into stuff and really learn it and know my, um, you know, resistant families and drenches and, and understand what, what I was doing and why I was doing it and, and had a lot of help along the way. But yeah, to begin with it, yeah, some people would probably... Look at my results and stick the head in the sand I don't want to know about that but um, at the end of the day I know there's still you know we're 11 years into it now and we're looking we're in the pretty much in the 90s still like mid 90s for for most of it um, white drench is just under mid 80s and um, I've still got you know if the, if the if it does all go wrong I would you know I'd, I'd do drastic stuff like sand did and the option is just sell them or I land store at Weaning, take the hit there and use Ulbix for two years and, and you know, that will that will certainly clear up um, a lot of worms like it has on Mike's place. He said he's, you know, he's recovered Matrix mm-hmm. in two years, which is, is is awesome. Yeah, so there's definitely options there. It's not the end of the world, yeah.
0: Yeah, and I think that's the one of the key things we're trying to get through here. I mean, it is coming if it's not already on the people that are listening. It'll be coming to your place if it's not already there. But it um, there's things you can do to slow it but it's also not the end of the yeah, world you've just got to identify that problem and do something about it
1: yeah well look we just to, just to end with i mean we' we've gone away from breeding our own sheep um, not for that reason but we are sourcing rams um, from the Manawatu that, that have done work on the, the you know the worm resistant for years and, and it may have um, they may have lost out in, in other traits but you know that that sort of thing. You, you know, the trenches aren't going to be made forever, or new trenches aren't going to come along forever. So we we're going to go down that track for a while and use rams that are, that are known to be um, sound against, you know, resistant against worm worm pressure. So that is another tool that can be used. Yeah, yep. genetic genetic sort of
0: stuff. Yeah, cool. And we we haven't actually really touched on that. I mean, much more. It was. Um... Grazing management, um, integration of stock classes, and some use of of forages and, and new regrassing and that sort of thing. The uh, the genetic side of things hasn't um, hasn't been a, a major one, but so it's good to hear that um, yeah that has been part of the toolbox, I guess.
1: Um, yeah, no, they're, they're, there's definitely breeders out there doing it, and um, yeah, it's, it's good on them because they've been they've had to do it for a number of years to to make any headway, and we're going to benefit from it, so.
0: So Mike, I think you're left on that. I don't know what anything to add in terms of where you got advice, support, I guess, through um what's as um a couple of the others have said was a bit of a, a worrying issue. It felt um it's not the greatest thing to hear that you might have a triple gent resistance problem.
2: Yeah, I admit that it was a shock when we first found out um that we had it and yeah, it was reasonably tough um to swallow that um how do we end up with this? Um but yeah, Basically, we, um, we were quite open about it. We thought, well, uh, the fact that we knew we had it was, we'd gone through and tested, and um, and we had tested in the past, but it, it probably dragged on, thing it's, it's a job. But actually, um, it's a much easier job than what you think it's going to be. Um, our local vets come and help. We, uh, we pay them to come and help. Um, and I suppose that's a bit of advice. is much better to find it out you've got the problem at, at the early stages when, you, while you have still got options to, to recover it than um, put your head in the sand until you have a major issue. So I certainly encourage people to um, contact their vets and, and do a, 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 a figure leg reduction test. Um, our local vets certainly are um, a big help talking through the vets or through our management and and the principles, I suppose, trying to understand what we're trying to achieve or what we're trying to avoid and then applying that to our farm and um, looking for opportunities that we could, uh, how we could achieve it. Often we'll just bring a mob of lambs back from the hill country for two or three days before we drench and when they, they cruise around the flats, um, there's two or three days before we drench. So. There's lots of opportunities that we're able to apply those principles that we've learnt. Um, Yeah, and we've uh, formed an RMPP group with um, some farmers in the valley here just to try to um, share our experience and learn from what what they're going through. And amazing, um, yeah, Um, most of the farms have identified issues with drenches um, as soon as they looked. So, yeah, it's um, plenty of it out there.
0: Yep. yeah, I think that's one of the key messages. Today. It's out there, but um, don't give up because there are options to deal with it. So, again, that's a nice way to turn into, I think, how we'll, we'll wrap this up, just looking at how long the, the podcast's been going. It, it hasn't dragged. There's been heaps of information from you three guys and, and your experience, so that's been brilliant. But we often end up with the take-home messages, but um, sort of along that line, We'll go through each year, and I guess it's thinking the advice to other farmers. But almost, if you know what you wish you knew five, ten, fifteen years ago, or the advice you'd give to yourself if you had a time machine and went back about um, what to look for, what not to do, or what to, to start um, testing those sorts of things. Um, I think Hamish will start with you. What would you? Uh, what do you wish you, you knew back then that you know now? Uh,
1: so I have just started farming on my by my own account anyway. So. I'd wish I'd probably knew my drench, what drench families targeted, what worms, and to begin with what worms were on the farm and, and what seasons. So, just starting from the bottom, really, you got to you got to do a drench, you know, fecal reduction test um, to find out where you are. And sometimes the seasons are different, so you want to not just do one, you want to keep keep an eye on things. But um, yeah, basically just knowing you got to know what's there, really and and learn learn how they interact with the animal mm-hmm. and what they do. Um, different, you know, um, seasons, when, when they're going to be present, the worms, what to watch out for. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, pretty much. Yep. Yeah. It, 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 yep. The worm management's around just knowing what's there and knowing what you're using on them, really.
0: So it's not um, just, I mean, you touched on it there, it's not just the fecal leg count reduction it's um what are they called a larval culture so you know not just how many you gotta know what
1: they are yeah you are. can't you That's can't powerful. just go look at a fecal egg count because i mean we, we've done them in the past and you get you can get a high count in the caperia. you know they, mm-hmm. they don't really affect the sheep um yeah so you've got to know know what they are yeah cool
0: yeah mike what would your be your advice be to yourself and your, earlier in your farming career
2: i think just this- not the same as Hamers, just knowing the what our drench status was earlier on, and what the status was of each of our blocks, um, and I suppose the power of all those um, tools other than other uh, drench gun. So the power of profusia um, and integrating cattle and um, yeah, all that. Management, that, that reduces worm burdens uh, rather than relying
0: on the drench gun. Brilliant. That's probably the main thing, yeah. Awesome. Thanks, Mike. So, Sam, you get the last word. Anything to add to that? Um,
3: yeah, pretty – what, the, what the, the other two are saying, it's all pretty good. And it's uh, for me, it's um, – to get told, yeah, you had triple drench resistance um, – and you know, not many people talked about it or anything. For me, just to come out and talk about it and see how much help there is actually out there was was um, was really good. And I think, yeah, there's always things you look back and think you could have done better in that. But I'm guessing there's going to farming ain't e- uh, It's not that easy, and um, there's going to be challenges along the way. And it's just, um, yeah, to open up a bit and talk about them. There's plenty of help there. It might, yeah, it might bring us all a bit closer together.
0: Brilliant. Hey, thank you all. Um, and look, that was one of the key things. I know Dave's been on about it a bit and we, we're trying to hammer that again. That it, It's the old saying um, that we've been talking about in farming for a long time. If you, if you don't measure it, if you don't monitor it, you can't manage it. But so many farms don't seem to have even done that first step around internal parasites. The, the measurement thing, have a look, see what you've got, do your faecal egg count reduction test, do your larval cultures and just know what's there. And maybe that's been partly because the of worry of finding something or not wanting to deal with it. But um, as the three gentlemen tonight have... Um, Clearly explained, it, it's not the end of the world. There are changes, they may take a bit of effort, a bit of time, possibly a little bit of cost, but they do pay off, and it, it can be dealt with this issue. So, um, it's worthwhile finding out if you have got it because you can deal with it. So, gentlemen, unless you've got yeah. anything that's suddenly occurred to you, yes, far away. Yeah, or
1: well, just on that cost thing, just um, so just to put rats and numbers around cost, it, it's not a lot. It's, uh, our latest one this year was. About two thousand six hundred bucks um, for the, for the full test and a little bit of time. It's it's maybe maybe an hour for the first one and then oh half an hour just to take some samples. That, you know when you're checking um, after the ten days. So that you know it's over three years if you want to do it. That's what we're doing. It's, it's eight lambs basically a year, so you divide it out over three years. So it's, it's not a big cost to know what's and- going on.
0: And from what you've told us, you've more than recovered that through the, the gains you've been able to make in internal parasite management as a result. Oh, excellent. Yeah, yeah. Brilliant. Awesome. Yeah. Hey, gentlemen, anything else? Any other sudden thoughts that have come to you before we wrap up? Take silence as a scent. Excellent. Hey, look, um, so look, I just want to, on behalf of Beef and Lamb New Zealand, and um, I just want to say a big thanks to Hamish Blundell, Mike Cranston and Sam Johnson, who've um, taken a fair bit of time out of their evening tonight and um, uh, in the weeks preceding to get ready for this to tell us a story that, you know, I think um, it's not an easy one to say, as, as some of them mentioned, telling people or, or admitting you've got triple wrench resistance is a, is, a, is a bit of a challenge. But um, it's really important that we get more farmers looking to see if they've got it and realising that they can do something about it um, before it gets a whole lot worse and that we can actually, in some cases, reverse it to a large degree. So thank you all, gentlemen. We will do a follow-up podcast. At at this stage, the plan is to talk about it in a wee bit more technical depth for those of you that want to get into science. But uh, tonight, we've certainly got it direct from those that uh, have had to deal with it on the ground, as it were. So thank you all and good night.